You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. A couple of parts to today's show. First, we're going to uh, to discuss some of the remarks made by Dave Gettleman, Giants general manager, during a conference call that he held on Monday to talk about free agency and talk about the uh, the way that the organization has been going about planning for the NFL draft and dealing with free agency during this time with NFL offices shut down. We will also uh, play some clips from that press conference for you, about seven or eight minutes worth of uh, of, of clips from uh, from some of of Gettleman's remarks, so that you can hear uh, what he said for yourself. The second part of today's show is going to revolve around what uh, SB Nation is doing this week. SB Nation NFL sites are doing what we call a theme week, and that theme week revolves around best NFL teams who did not win a title or a Super Bowl for the New York Giants, of course, in recent history. That brings us back to the 2008 season when a self-inflicted gunshot wound from Plaxico Burris uh, basically shot down the Giants' hopes of a Super Bowl repeat. We will have special guest Patricia Trena on the show to uh, to talk about her memories of, of that season so uh, you know stay tuned for 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 that after we get to uh, after we play the clips from from Dave Gettleman's press conference as well let's talk a little bit about some of the things that that Gettleman said before we uh, before we play those clips for you you know my big takeaway which i wrote about at big blue view was that the giants you know are going to uh, to aggressively look to uh, to deal with the offensive line in this draft. Now, you know, I wrote at Big Blue View that I thought that Gettleman left a big hint that the Giants are going offensive tackle with their first pick. It's possible that they'll wait to uh, to the second round or maybe make a trade, you know, back into the first round. But Gettleman, you know, asked about why the Giants hadn't made a splash in free agency on the offensive line. He pointed to the draft. He said the t- free agency and the draft are married when you when you plan your offseason and that the Giants felt that with the depth and the talent in the offensive tackle class 
that addressing offensive tackle in the draft was the right way for them to go. For me, that is a big hint that uh, that the Giants will be selecting whoever they think is the best offensive tackle in the draft, whether that's Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, Mekhi Becton, Jedrick Wills. We can continue to speculate about all of that. And everybody has an opinion as to who the best guy is. We will also, uh, if you if you read Big Blue View, we're also breaking down on Tuesday all four of those uh, of those players. Uh, Matt Williamson, former NFL and college scout, is doing a make the case looking at all four of those players. So please check that out. Some good information in there as well. Uh, Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan, who's joined the. Uh, the staff has a video attached to that post, which is also on the Big Blue View YouTube site, uh, making the case for Andrew Thomas if the Giants were to draft one of those four offensive tackles instead of going for Clemson linebacker Isaiah Simmons. So, you know, please check those things out, uh, you know, as well as uh, as well as uh, as listening to this podcast. So, you know, lots of good work being done at, at Big Blue View, we think, and as we prep you guys for the draft. So but let's get back to talking about uh, about Gettleman's remarks on uh, on Monday. The other thing that that I think he he made clear was that that the Giants do understand that they need to supplement the center position. He said they were they were looking very closely at a lot of the center prospects in the draft. So I would expect that somewhere. I don't know if it'll be around two, three, four, five, somewhere in the middle of the draft. I would I would suspect that the Giants will address the center position. Dave was also asked about Leonard Williams, you know, why the Giants used the fran- the franchise tag. He said they were comfortable with their decision on Williams. They felt that that was the prudent thing to do to make sure that uh, that Williams was part of the team in 2020. He said that uh, while he's talked about in the past not really, you know, being in favor of using the tag on players, he thought that the Giants and Williams had a pretty good relationship and didn't worry about the player being unhappy. A couple of other things that that uh, that Dave talked about in terms of of some of the free agents that he signed. He said that he thought Blake Martinez was a guy who would help get the Giants' defense lined up. And that the scheme that that defensive coordinator Patrick Graham is going to implement might be a little better fit for Martinez than what uh, than what he was involved in in Green Bay. Uh, Martinez had said recently that in Green Bay, you know, where he had a ton of tackles, he still fe- he felt like a cleanup guy, a guy who wasn't really allowed to attack the line of scrimmage. There's been criticism of Martinez for making his tackles too far down the field. And, and, and Martinez had said that, that that was really the way that the scheme was set up. He wasn't really allowed to attack a gap, to attack the backfield. He, his job was to sort of wait and clean up whatever happened in front of him. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Gettleman also said that uh, the the way that the offseason played out without being able to uh, to do medical exams on a lot of these players is part of the reason why so many of the guys that the Giants brought in, James Bradbury, Nate Ebner, Cam Fleming, 
you know, the list goes on. Mark, you know, Blake Martinez, Kyler Fackrell. So many of these guys are familiar to either Gettleman or the coaches on the staff because of of the fact that uh, that the Giants really couldn't uh, couldn't get medical information, couldn't do exams on a lot of these guys. Perhaps also because of the uh, the way that the off season is going to have to be virtual, so that you know there aren't uh, there isn't going to be the opportunity to practice on the field the way there is in a normal off season. Gettleman also said that he simply, you know, in terms of, of an edge rusher, he understands the the concern there, but he didn't want to overspend you know, to to get an edge rusher. And also, you know, the idea, the, the medical piece of that, you know, he never mentioned Jadavion Clowney by name, but the cost and the injury history, I think, were have been concerns with Clowney. And, and that's why the Giants really never made, you know, a full push, you know, to bring Clowney to the Giants. Anyway, Giants fans, let's do this at this point. Let's, uh, let's play some of the clips from Dave's press conference, or conference call, I should say, on Monday. The voice that you will hear in between clips and introducing uh, each clip that gets played is that of Joe DeLeon, co-host of the uh, of the Chris and Joe show on, uh, on Big Blue View Radio. Our thanks to Joe for, for cutting up those clips and, and doing the transitions for us. All right, so uh, let's play those Let's play those clips for you right now. Giants general manager Dave Gettleman took time on Monday to speak to the media post-free agency. And as you might assume, one of the most pressing questions was addressing the franchise tagging of defensive lineman Leonard Williams. Really what it came down to was we, we, we felt uh, very good about our cap space. And we felt for the um, what Leonard brings to the table, he was... Uh, it was uh, more prudent, and, and for our team, it was more prudent to put the franchise tag on. And uh, but uh, you know, we we've, we've gotten to know Leonard real well, and I, I feel really you know comfortable with the decision. In currently uncharted territories, there were obvious hurdles that the front office had to deal with during free agency. Dave Gettleman spoke on some of those obstacles and variations of approaches that the Giants had to deal with during their free agency period, as well as talking about how satisfied they are with the current group that they brought to New York. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, again, that, there's a little bit of a, uh, a lean towards people you know in free agency. Uh, times have changed. I know back in, back in the odds when we were busy in free agency, you know, you, have, you can bring a guy in. You can spend a couple of days with him, get to know him. And now we're speed dating. And we have to, uh, you have to make, you know, the decisions happen before you can get a guy in a building, uh, before you can get a physical, and that's even before the COVID, you know what I'm saying, over the last couple of years. So I don't think it's any more sensitive, uh, it, 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 you know, any, that much more sensitive, but I do know that that uh, obviously the, the, you know, the, the, for us, a, a, a big concern was the, was the medical piece. Because we're making decisions, and you're you know you're you're building your roster, and just think about it. What happens if a, you know you sign a, a high dollar guy and he doesn't pass his physical? Now where are you? 
because you spent you know you spent uh, free agency and now the draft and you think you have your team set and and uh, you put together what you what you feel is a good roster and then all of a sudden the guy doesn't pass his physical it, 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 it's you know you're, you're rolling the phones a little bit but uh, you know the, the, the guys we signed we felt we got good value um, and we're and we're very pleased with the group. Yeah, we're you know we're very pleased with, with where we're at. You know, Martinez gives us the guy that's played in the system, fought Pat Graham, and uh, will get us all lined up. And uh, I think that uh, you know this this scheme's going to fit him well, fit him you know better. And uh, James, you know, I mean, everybody knows I drafted James uh, when I was up, you know, down in Carolina, down in Charlotte, and uh, you know he gives you a big long body. It's played against number one, you know, and, and, and he's, got, he's got the mindset, he's not shy, and he's, uh, it, it, you know, the moment's not too big for him. So, and, and Fackrell, again, you know, was, uh, you know, two years ago had double-digit sacks, and, you know, the Green Bay went out and, 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 and bought, uh, you know, bought two high sack guys, and, you know, now he became a rotational, you know, part-time player. So, you know, we feel good about that, Paul. I mean, it's, 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 it, you know, you just got to keep building it. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, we're excited about the draft. There's some, you know, good players there. And uh, we're just going to continue to get better. You know, but well, nothing's ever done. The Giants only signed one offensive lineman during this year's free agency, that being Cameron Fleming tackle from the Dallas Cowboys who has primarily been a backup during his career that obviously leaves the door open for moves to be made at the tackle position as well as along the offensive line however did Gettleman hint at the fact that the Giants could be eyeing a tackle very early on in this draft you know at the end of the day you know we signed uh Cameron Fleming uh, you know when he sees uh you know, I was with Dallas before, and obviously there was that connection. And with the Patriots before, there was a double connection. I just read it out. But anyhow, you know, we, we've got, and I know this sounds crazy, but number one, we, we've got uh, faith in Nick Gates. He's, you know, a kid we signed two years ago as a free agent out of Nebraska. And uh, we, uh, we've we really, you know, he missed his uh, rookie year. He was on IR, but last year he made a lot of progress. And we're, uh, we're excited about him. You know, Nate had a rough year last year. Nobody's denying it. He's, and certainly he is not. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've made the statement to people that, that um, you know, after, uh, you know, we signed him in, you know, we signed him in 18. And after the 18 season, no one was talking about Nate Solder. Okay. You know, it's so, you know, he had a tough year. No doubt about it. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, we, um, you know, part of the, Daryl, part of the unrestricted, you know, free agency pieces, we're also looking at the at the draft. You know what I'm saying? So he kind of married the two. So we just felt that, uh, you know, that, you know, with the, with the with the depth of the tackle class in the draft, we just felt like uh, this was the best way for us to go. Just like with signing free agents, because of COVID-19, there's obvious difficulties for the Giants' front office in not being able to meet in person to do their pre-draft meetings. Kevin Abrams and Dave Gettleman addressed how they've made this transition to a virtual setting for their meetings and not allowing themselves to take any steps backward. Business as usual, obviously it's not, but... 
without going into the details of what technologies we're using. I don't think our IT department would appreciate that, but um, we've tried to mimic how our meetings typically operate, both for the coaches and for our scouting meetings right now. Um, the fact it's all done virtually um, obviously is the biggest difference, but the dialogue, the conversation, the agendas, all the itineraries of the meetings go as always, you know, and, and I don't think we've missed a beat. A lot of that goes to, you know, Justin Warren, our IT department, and Ty Seum, our football tech, and Eddie Triggs is running our operations. It's just been, um, you know, hasn't been perfectly smooth, but it's been smoother than anyone could have expected. And whatever hiccups we've encountered, um, I think everyone's shown a, a real um, patience and ability to adjust so that we can get to operating the way that we need to. So it's been... It's been pretty exceptional so far, and a lot of people deserve a lot of credit, people that wouldn't normally get recognized. You know, as Kevin said, we've really, it's, we're really making it work. One of the exciting things for me as an old man, that to do, working with these young guys and the technology, they're really thoughtful and intentional about it, and, you know, and, and, and really Chris Pettit and has done a great job. You know, I direct to college scouting in terms of coordinating all this, working with, you know, Ty and, and Ed Triggs and Justin Warren. It's, it's just done yeoman's work with us. And uh, it's, it's we're, we're, we're moving along. Listen, there's, there's people in a lot worse situations than I. <laughs> and we're thankful, and, and we're moving along, and, and, and we're going to get this right. The additional other impact that the league is currently dealing with is not being able to interact with prospects in person before the start of the NFL draft. Gettleman spoke on this issue, but also talking about how they're still able to get what they need out of FaceTime calls with various prospects. They've been pretty beneficial because, again, it is, it is FaceTiming, so thank God you, know, you can see the guy. And, you know, I'm a city kid and a big believer in body language and all this and that, so it's 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 okay. It's not great. It's not perfect. It's okay. What what for me? What we miss is um, the watching them interact. You know, the thirty visit guys watching them in your facility. That's what that's what you miss out on. And not, by not having pro days, you also miss that personal contact. You know, it's watching guys. Uh, you know, excuse me. You know, among their peers and how they operate, how they how they're received, and, and uh, you know that that tells a lot. You know, when you just watch a kid in, in those circumstances, and obviously, you know, when we would go to um, workouts, a lot of times the night before, you know, our coach and scout that were that would be at the pro day would take one or two or three of the players out to dinner and have have some conversation that way. So. You know, we're losing we're losing the personal touch points. We got the visual touch point, but we're really missing out on the personal touch point when you know you can smell and feel again. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Giants fans, a little something different here for you in this segment. Uh, We've been covering 
the uh, Giants' moves in NFL free agency for the last few weeks, and of course, building up to uh, to next week's NFL draft. We will continue to do all of those things, both here on my show and on Big Blue View Radio with the the Chris and Joe show. But uh, a little a little detour for you here for a few minutes. SB Nation this week is doing what we call a theme week. And uh, we've done those at, at times in the past. And this week's theme basically is the best team in you know for the franchise that, that you cover, which obviously for me is the Giants, the best team that has never won a title or that didn't win a title. And for me, that's an easy one as I think back on, on the years that, that I've been writing about the Giants. That's the 2008 team. That's the Plaxico Burris shooting incident year and uh here to help me discuss that and just talk about uh about memories of that season is is good friend patricia trainer patty how you doing hey ed how's it going i'm good patty hope you're staying safe these days it's trying my best you know some tough times out there and i hope everybody out there who's listening is doing as well as can be given the circumstances and Hopefully, guys, we all get through it together. Patty, let's talk about that that 2008 season a little bit. You know, I Big Blue View started in 2007. Back in that day, back in that time, I only had credentials to go to training camp, so I wasn't around the team during the regular season. When when you think of 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 that season. What what really is is the first thing that that comes to mind, you know, about that team? Confidence for sure. I mean, they were coming off the the win at Super Bowl forty two against the uh, New England Patriots, and it was a win that a lot of people on the outside didn't think would happen. It was one that they felt and they started to believe in towards the end of that two thousand seven season and that playoff run that could happen. And when it did happen. It just taught them that, hey, nobody is bigger than we are. Nobody is unbeatable. And they went into 2008 with all kinds of confidence, with a little bit of a swag, if you will, you know, like a swagger. Um, they just, it was it was like a night and day difference between where they started off in 2007. And the other thing that they really stressed, which made a good, you know, which was a good point. If you remember in 2007, Steve Spagnuolo was in his first year as a, as a defensive coordinator. And in 2008, even though they had lost Michael Strahan, who had retired, and they lost Jabril Wilson, who I believe went to the Raiders, Reggie Torbor, who was part of that defense, I forget where he went to, um, they went into 2008 feeling that the defense would not miss a beat because Justin Tuck then got promoted to the starting lineup after being like the third man in the rotation there. And they had all kinds of optimism. If you remember correctly, um, the running game was phenomenal that year. If I'm not mistaken, that was the year they had two 1,000-yard rushers. I think you're right, Patty. I don't have it directly in front of me. But, uh, you know, what I think about when, when I think about 2008, I just think, for me, that was easily the best team of of the Coughlin Manning era, and, and you know before the whole thing went south, it just felt to me like like they looked like and felt like they were the best team in the league. Yeah, and and again they 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 were. I mean, they had um, 
the confidence, you know, Coughlin uh, kept, and, and the good thing about it is, is that for all the confidence they had, it was a controlled confidence. And by that, I mean, if you look back at recently at the, at, at the team, the second year of Ben McAdoo's era, when they were coming off that 2017 um, win, or was it, I'm sorry, 2016 uh, winning season, McAdoo and, and the Giants to an extent, I believe at any rate, started to fall in love with their press clippings, started to read them and, and believe them. Whereas back in 2008, Everybody was writing about the Giants. Everybody was saying, oh, they're, you know, they're going to be the team to beat, et cetera. But somehow that team, thanks to its leadership, thanks to Tom Coughlin and, and Antonio Pierce and Eli Manning and, and you know, the others that returned uh, from that 2017, they kept things grounded, if you will. They weren't, you know, oh, my God, you know, we read this clipping and, and we're, we're the best because the media said so. So they kept their eye on the prize. And even though they knew they had a target on their back, they knew that they still had a job to do in order to earn that um, descriptor that they were getting from, from the press. So it was a big difference in philosophy. And a lot of credit goes to Coughlin and the players, especially the team leaders, who kept you know the, the newcomers that came in, or or the younger players who might have easily let their head, you know, the fame go to their head, go to their head. Right. You know, it felt to me like people thought 2007, you know, beating Tom Brady, beating that that New England team that year. People felt like like there was like like maybe it was a fluke, and and 2008 felt to me like like the Giants trying to prove that 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 wasn't a fluke. So. You know, so so I, I I agree. I think they did stay grounded. They stayed focused. Here's what I really want to ask you, though: when when the incident with Burris, when the shooting happened, you know, you're in that locker room week to week, couple times a week, anyway. You know, I foolishly, when the whole thing happened, I wrote something about you know, because because we all write stupid things once in a while, Patty. We all do this, and 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 I went back and I looked at some of my my stuff that I wrote. And I wrote something to the effect of, are the Giants really going to miss Plaxico Burris? And sort of just misjudging the whole situation. My question for you is not on the field, but after that happened, did the mood, did the feeling in the locker room, did anything change as far as just the the way that the Giants felt about that season? I think it did. I think that took a lot of air out of the tires. Uh, as I recall, you know, everybody, things were going well, and then it just seemed like the bottom fell out. Number one, the, the obvious concern was for Burris and, and his, you know, well-being, because, you know, you're talking about a gunshot wound. Even though, thank God, it wasn't, you know, fatal or anything like that, it's still a gunshot wound is a gunshot wound, and it's a scary thing. So your first concern obviously goes to the well-being of your teammate. Then there was the media distraction, you know, everybody trying to get details, you know, what what was the fallout? And then, you know, when when the mayor at the time, was it Bloomberg that was the mayor? Yeah, I think it was Bloomberg, right? Was Bloomberg the New York City mayor? I believe anyway, so. When the, mm-hmm. Anyway, when the New York City mayor started to get involved and, and, and you know, wanted to make an example or, or, or say, I don't know, make example is the right word, but when he got involved and he said, look, I'm not going to let him off because he plays for the New York Giants, a defending Super Bowl champion, and, you know, Burris ended up having to set, serve the jail time, and it just became a major distraction 
for everybody. You know, you also, people forget this, but Antonio Pierce, who was a very respected leader in that locker room, was with Burris at uh, uh, that night when, when, you know, the accident took place. And there was a lot of uncertainty. What would happen to Pierce? Would he get suspended? Would he get in trouble? You know, so there were a lot of questions that popped up that, you know, just they couldn't answer. There were no answers to at the time. And if there's one thing we have seen from this Giants club year after year, it doesn't matter what era, this team does not really respond as well as it could to certain off-field distractions. We saw that especially in the later years of the, you know, the Coughlin era. And recently, too, we've, saw, we've seen that where, you know, some major off-field story breaks and now all of a sudden that's the focus and everybody just kind of gets knocked off their game a little bit. So I do think that, you know, that unfortunate incident did affect the Giants. And then, you know, if you remember correctly, they also suspended or they cut him. I, I think they, they suspended him for the rest of the season, uh, which was another shocker because everybody was like, whoa, you know, the Giants are going to suspend this guy, you know. So it was just it was just one thing after another and it just snowballed. And, you know, the, I hate to say say it, but the Giants, after that incident, lost three of their four games uh, remaining that season. You wonder what might have happened if they hadn't lost, you know, if, if Burris hadn't had that accident, what the Giants' final record would have been. And, you know, and, and then they got bounced out of the playoffs in the first round, which was just, you know, nobody saw that coming. Right. And I think, as you said, you know, the way that the season ended, they were 10 and 1, you know, when, uh, when the incident took place. I think they won their game, you know, a couple days later, but then obviously finished the season on a down note. Just in your recollection, you know, and I, I think it put, uh, you know, Burris being out, put Dominic Hickson, you know, a, a young player at the time in a more prominent role. How did it change, in, if you can remember, how did it change the Giants offensively? You, did it, what did it, what did it take away from them? Or, you know, was it, was it about that or was it just about the, the overall attitude in general? Well, I think what happened was, you know, the Giants had built such a family the year before. They were a family, um, the Road Warriors. They got to know each other very well. Um, you know, it, again, even though there were new faces and some, you know, familiar faces were no longer there, you still had a very strong family. And what happens, Ed, when somebody in your family experiences distress? You don't, you can't really, you know, you try to focus, you try to go on living, but you always have that in the back of your mind, you know, how's that person doing? What's going on with that person? Is that person going to be okay? And I think that's what happened with that team after, you know, the incident with Burris and, and, and uh, you know, the, the questions about Antonio Pierce, who, you know, thankfully wasn't injured in, the, in that accident, but he was with him and, and there was just, it became a distraction because of the concern, I think, for the human beings. And um, it was one that the Giants, I don't think, ever really recovered from in terms of, you know, the big picture. Now, from a football perspective, Burris was a huge part of that offense. We, we, We saw it the year before. We saw it in the first 10 games or so the season. Um, you take him out of the lineup and, you know, now, now that changes everything. That changes everything. And, you know, 
obviously you, you could sit here and say, well, the coaches should should prepare for such like that because what if Burris had, you know, sprained a knee or tore a knee ligament or something like that, they would it would be next man up. But, you know, after seeing Burris, I think, play through the injuries that he had in the Super Bowl, he had an ankle and a knee injury that made him a game day decision in 2007, they probably figured, look, this guy can overcome anything. He's a tough hombre. He can overcome anything. And this was just one thing that obviously he couldn't overcome. All right, Patty, last thing on this topic. You and I have talked over the years a lot about the Coughlin-Manning era and missed opportunities and looking back on it, thinking that, that there probably should have been more winning done, you know, whether whether we're talking about Super Bowl titles or or just playoff appearances. And I just look back at this as the biggest missed opportunity of the entire era. I, I'm, I'm guessing you would agree with me on that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This That team, that 2018, was probably the best team in that era. Hands down, no question. I'm not just talking about the record. I'm just talking about everything, the way everything fell into place. The defense hit its stride. And continued the 2,000-yard rushers, Brandon Jacobs and Derek Ward. Um, you know, you, you just look at everything up until that point and you say, this team, there's no way this team could have been stopped. And unfortunately, it took one, you know, poor decision to bring everything to a screeching halt. And that team never recovered from it. And it's a damn shame because it really was, in my opinion, the best team of the Coughlin-Manning era. All right. Hey, Patty, why don't you uh, why don't you tell folks a little bit about what you've got coming up at, at Locked on Giants and, and over at uh, Giants Country uh, before I let you go? Sure. Over on Locked on Giants, we're going to continue to preview um, the different draft teams where I'm trying to get different guests to cover the college programs to come on, give us a little bit more information and background about some of these prospects. And we're also going to have some clips this week because the Giants um, are making available Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge and a few other people to speak. So we'll have some thoughts and reactions on that. And then on GiantsCountry.com, we've got some really dynamite stuff. We are doing the final edition of what we call Mock Draft Mania, where each one of our writers puts up their version of the Giants, of the ideal Giants seven round mock draft. Um, we have some features coming up that are really cool. Um, some exclusive interviews we were able to get, um, a mailbag, so all kinds of stuff planned for the week. And we hope you'll check us out at GiantsCountry.com. All right, Patty, thank you very much. And we will, uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks, Ed. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you give uh, the Chris and Joe show a listen. Uh, Their next episode comes up on Wednesday. The next episode of the Valentine's Views podcast is scheduled for Thursday. Our special guest on Thursday, which will be a week before the 2020 NFL draft begins, will be Dane Brugler, the draft analyst for The Athletic. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk to Dane about uh, all things relating to the New York Giants draft. All right, Giants fans, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.